Matthew chapter 22, uh, we're going to open up with the parable of the wedding feast. And Jesus was famous for telling parables, right? Stories. Because as we all know, a good story captivates our attention. It helps us when we uh, hear a good story to be able to relate, to draw concepts out of that. And let me just point out, this isn't my message today, but let me just point out that Jesus was the master communicator. He was the best communicator. In my opinion, you know, when I was in business, I did a lot of speaking, been in ministry and speaking. I've studied communication for over 20 years of my life. I've studied great communicators in the secular and in the church world. And from everything that I can draw out, there was, there's never been a greater communicator than Jesus. Never. The way he told stories, the way he spoke to people, the way he appealed to people's hearts, and the way he shared messages that would transform lives. And so when we see these parables, there's so much that we can draw out of these stories. They're not simply just stories. There's deeper meanings behind these stories that Jesus is implying. Sometimes Jesus comes along and he gives explanations uh, of the parables and what things mean. And a lot of times we'll see these parables are also filled with prophecies that later we can see come true. And that's actually going to be the case in part of this today that I'll show you. But this is the parable of the wedding feast. So let's read verses 1 through 14 in this and we'll dig in. Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. And then he sent out servants to call those who were invited to the wedding. And they were not willing to come. And he sent out other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and fatted calf, and are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business. And the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious, and so he sent out his armies, destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. And then he said to his servants, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite them to the wedding. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests." But when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. And so he said to him, friend, how do you did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. And then the king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot, take him away, cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then this last verse is where I want to draw particular attention to today. We're going to talk about this whole parable, but this last verse... He says, for many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. So, turns out that I'm actually going to be starting today a two-part message series that I'll finish next week. And the title of this is Knowing You're Called. Knowing You're Called. And I think that this is one of the greatest discoveries that I have found in the scriptures and in a relationship with God, is knowing that He has called me to a purpose. And really settling that in our heart. When we discover 
that we're not merely here to take up space, to exist, or, you know, God's going to take us to heaven, but we're just buying time until we get there. When we really discover and gaze into the Scriptures and get the revelation that there's more to it than that, that God truly has actually called us to a glorious purpose that He wants to accomplish in and through our lives. Folks, when that happens, and I'm not talking about, you know, I've got a project to do or I've got an assignment. I'm talking about a holy calling, a divine calling that originates in the heavens and not in this world. When we discover that, when God breathes that truth into our life, into our heart, it settles our soul in a way that nothing else can. And when we don't know that, when we are fighting that, or people are unsure, they're searching and seeking, but there's really this sense of doubt, uncertainty in their heart about the fact that God who loves them has called them and called them to something incredible. When there's that doubt and uncertainty, a person lives their life in a way where they're really never grounded and secure in their footing, in their ability to walk this life out with strength, purpose, and peace. And I think that's why God goes so far in the Scriptures to speak about calling, to speak about purpose, is because He knows, since He's created us, what we need and what He's created us with needs for. And one of those needs is to settle this question in our heart that God has called me to a purpose. To settle this thing so that our soul can reach a point of rest and security knowing that that is the case, that it may become a driving force and factor in our lives that literally propels us, that moves us with a force forward toward that destiny that we've just been enlightened to that God has called us to. I mean, I, I've, I feel like I was so blessed and so fortunate when I first came to a relationship with Jesus. Which, by the way, this was really incredible. At Biker Sunday... There's a couple that I've known for years that are at the church that we came out of, and they blessed me with this incredible gift on Biker Sunday, and I didn't know what it was. I opened it up, and it was this little plaque, and framed in this plaque was this, this card that I had filled out the day that I gave my heart to Jesus. Isn't that amazing? And uh, we used to do those things where when people would come down and give their life to Christ, you know, we'd fill out a card and there would be a person at the altar like we do. We have an altar team. We don't do the cards the same way now, but we would fill these cards out and then they would follow up with us for prayer and just to really disciple us and walk through that process. Of course, we do that part too. But this card had all of my information on it. And I, I've known ever since then, and I've said many times that I, I got saved. I gave my life to Jesus. I was dead and then alive in the summer of 2002, but I never knew the exact day until this last Sunday. It was September 22nd of 2002. It was exactly 17 years to the day that I opened up that gift at Biker Sunday. Isn't that amazing? And when God 
saved me, when I got a revelation of Jesus and gave my heart to Him and He filled me with His Holy Spirit and I was changed and I was a new creation and it wasn't just head knowledge. I mean, I knew it on the inside. I was different, you know. And I began to study God's Word and pray and, you know, pursue God. I, I saw and, see, and discovered that God had a purpose for my life. That it was like God just spoke that into my heart and it became a part of me. And frankly, when that set in, I, would, I was ruined in the sense that I could never live for anything else. Does that make sense? Like, once God says that to you, the, the creator of heaven and earth, when he says that to you, and you see that in the scriptures, and he speaks it into your spirit, and it takes residency, it's like, how could you live for anything else after that? I'm not saying that I've done it perfectly. Lord knows I haven't. I'm not saying anybody could do it perfectly. We can't. All I'm saying is it's a constant pull and a draw that is always yanking at my heart. Like, God, I, I can only live for the purpose that you've created me for. What, what you've called me to, God, that's it. Everything else I'm abandoning. Everything else I've laid to rest, I've put to death. I'm here now to serve you and live for one reason and one reason alone, and that's to glorify you, Father, and live the life that you're calling me to live. Amen. And it does so much for us. It settles our soul. It inflames our spirit. I mean, it's like passion at a level beyond what we can know passion in this world begins to move us and, and push us forward. The prophet Jeremiah, he said something along the lines of this. He said, it's like fire that's shut up in my bones. Even if I wanted to stop it, I couldn't keep it from coming out. And, and, and we begin to live with that fire and that passion the way that we're meant to, the way that we ought to. You know, you don't, I mean, I, it blows me away sometimes when people say, I'm a Christian, you know, <laughs> walk around through life like, you know, just like a victim or, or like somebody that's defeated and down and downtrodden. And I'm just like, what, what? What's in your pipe that you're smoking? I, I've, I've smoked something else that's got me on a totally different level. Yeah, I did a lot of that too before the big day, September 22nd, 2002. Uh, but man, just knowing that you're called is something that I believe every Christian needs to settle. And we see in the very end of this parable, Jesus says, he says, many are called, but few are chosen. And I want to break this down a little bit for you because sometimes there's some confusion, you know, around calling um, and there's different doctrines. I'm aware of that around election and predestination and all those things. And I'm, I'm not going to get into all that today, but I, I just... When we look at what the Bible speaks about, when he says many are called, okay, that word called, it means an invitation. Do you understand that? It means an open invitation. It's a summoning. Now, how many know that an invitation is the first step? But what do we have to do with an invitation if we want to show up to the party? Accept. That's why he says many are called, but few chosen. Because you see, the offer, the invitation 
for salvation is there for all mankind. I firmly believe that. Some doctrines would suggest that's not the case. I firmly believe that the work of Christ on the cross to offer the free gift of salvation, He did that for every person that would ever walk the face of the earth. At the same time, He gave us a will. He gave us the ability to choose. God didn't make us where He forced us to choose to love Him. He gave us an opportunity to respond to His glorious invitation. And might I just add, it's the greatest invitation to the greatest party that you're ever going to get in your life. I hope you check the box. Many are called, but few are chosen in the sense that not all are going to receive that gift, are going to accept the invitation and find themselves in eternity with Jesus once they leave this earth. But all have been provided for a way to get there. I know when a lot of times we live out in the country, and so our kids have plenty of room to run and roam around and go out and explore, and, and you know, we love that. But obviously you can't see them all the time. Sometimes they're in the woods, sometimes they're in the ditches, sometimes they're Lord knows wherever, I don't even know. But... We go out and say, it's time to eat, you know, or it's time we need them to come in and say, kids, you know, kids, come in. We're yelling, we're invited, come in, get in the house, guys, it's time to come in. You know, you'll go through this process like however many times, three or four times, right? And then you think, am I, am I doing it loud enough? Are they, you know, too far away? So then you yell louder and louder. But we figured out the magic trick. Kids, dinner's ready. They come flying up. Lunch is ready. Food is here. It works every time. That's right. So we can extend the invitation, but in, until they accept and show up, then they're not actually coming in and experiencing the benefits, do you hear me, of what that invitation is offering. And so we look at the parable and we see this story of a wedding celebration. And Jesus breaks this down. This is one of the most fascinating parables, in, in my opinion, in all the New Testament. I really love this in, in terms of how God explains the kingdom of heaven and likens it to a wedding feast. And so the first thing that we see is that there's this wedding celebration that's going on. And the king has invited all these guests. And he says, tell them that all of the festivities are ready all of the festivities are prepared. There's a banquet here if they'll accept the invitation that they could come and that they can enjoy. And whenever we accept God's calling, invitation to our lives, to first say, become a son, become a daughter, become a part of the family of God. When we step into that, here's the one, one of the most beautiful things that we could come to know. Yes, our life is lived in numbers of days and there's processes that we will walk out growth and maturity. But God has made everything available that we need to fulfill the calling that He has placed upon our lives. There is nothing lacking at the banquet table in the kingdom of heaven for those who choose to accept the invitation and become a part of God's family. How freeing is that? 
really. I mean, to know that I don't have to go manufacture some skill. I don't have to go create some resource that is partially me to go do something that God is leading me to do. Yes, we labor. Yes, God grows us. We have to have faith. But my point is that God has made every resource available that we will ever need at any point in our lives to do exactly what He's called us to do. Ephesians 4, 9, Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all my needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And so we are invited to this wedding celebration that is a picture of the kingdom of heaven and of God's glorious family. And we see in the Bible that we are referred to, the church is referred to as the bride of Christ, and that, God, that Christ, Jesus himself, is our groom. And so when we come into God's family, we come in as his glorious bride, and we are joined to the Son, Jesus, in relationship in a way where he is the bridegroom. We see that many, many times over. In fact, one of the most amazing pictures that we see is about in Revelation chapter 19 is about an event that takes place at the end of days when time is over and Jesus returns. It's called the supper, the wedding supper of the Lamb or the marriage of the Lamb. And that is when Jesus returns and His church is joined together with Him. The bride is ready for the groom, it says. And as the, the bride, the saints are wearing white linen garments. Now remember that, because I'm going to come back to that in a minute. But we are clothed in wedding garments to join into this wedding consummation that ushers in the eternal age with our bridegroom, Jesus. The point of all that that I want you to get is that there is a, a, a deep sense of security, a deep sense of understanding God's love for us when we get the revelation and relate to Jesus in this way where he is the groom and we are his bride, where we can relate to him in a way where we see that he loves us and that he is cherishing us and that he is showering us like a groom does his bride with all kinds of great and precious promises and blessings. It's a great place for us to come to to see and relate to God in that way. But we see that there's also another character in the story, which is the Father. And the Father represents the Father God. You see, He's throwing this party, this wedding for His Son, and He is sending out all of these servants to go and offer the invitations across the land. Now think about this. These servants represent, even to this day, all of the ministers and prophets since the beginning of the age that have went out and declared the message of God and the goodness of the gospel. They're God's servants, and keep this in mind, hear me, they're servants and all they can do is offer the invitation. All they can do is extend the invitation. You see, you and I, when we come into God's family and He uses us to share the good news, with the rest of the world, 
We are like these servants. All we can do is offer an invitation and speak about how great the acceptance of that invitation can be, but we could never force someone to accept the invitation and come. You can't save anyone. You understand that? You cannot save a human heart. It is not in your ability to do that. You're like the servant. I'm like the servant. We're the ministers, the prophets, sharing the good news, sharing the invitation. But it is up to that person to accept so that they can come and be a part of the festivities that will be going on. But it doesn't absolve us from the responsibility of still offering those invitations. Do you understand that? And so they go and they offer the invitation and it says that a lot of them declined. A lot of them declined the invitation. And one of the reasons why a lot of them declined the invitation is because they were so busy. They were so distracted. Well, I, I, mean, I mean, I think some of them probably thought, eh, sounds good, eh, but I got other things to do. You know what? Maybe another time. I'm really busy right now. I got a lot going on back at the house. And if we're not careful, we can allow the busyness of life to interfere and compete with the draw to the things that God is calling us to do. Distractions can impede God's work in our lives more than about anything else can. And the enemy is a master of distraction. And I just want to say this to you, that if God is calling you to be somewhere, if He's calling these people, inviting these people to be at this wedding, then no matter what they have going on back home, no matter what other things they're involved in, nothing is as good as the party that they've just been invited to. And sometimes we, we don't get that or we think, well, I'm going to be giving up something wrong. If God is inviting us to be in a place, then there is absolutely nothing that we are missing or leaving behind or giving up that's going to bless us and bring us pleasure and satisfaction more than what God is asking us to be a part of will. And I think a lot of times we've got these old things hanging on in our lives. We've got these old projects, these old things that... Like, we kind of cling to, we hang on. If we're honest, we kind of know, man, that probably needs to go. I probably need to lay that down. I probably need to set that aside. But we cling to them, we kind of hang on to them. And because we, need, we want to be here, we can't be here. Because we're still holding on to things that we used to do or that maybe brought us pleasure. They're not really godly, but you know, I kind of like them. Then we might be missing out on the fullness and the additional blessing and pleasure that God's going to bring from stepping into the invitation and walking out the call that He's leading us into. Amen. There's never a moment when God asks you to lay something down, leave something behind, or not be somewhere to be somewhere else where that won't be far greater in every way possible for you than this could ever be. And we got to know that. So these servants, they go out, you know, and they share the word and... And all these guys decline. And so then the master, the father, finds out and he sends more servants. Now the first servants, it says that after they all declined, some of them were even so mean and so hostile that they actually killed the first round of servants. They killed them. 
And so the, the king finds out he sends more servants out, but get this, he sends these servants into the highways instead of into the city. He sends them into the highways and says, invite everybody. Invite them all. And then he, he destroys those people that were hostile to the servants, and it, it says that the city was burned. And this next round of servants, they go out, and they invite all these people from the highways, the good, the bad, you name it. They're inviting everybody who, who hears the word, who, everybody who hears the invitation. You're invited. You're invited. There's a place for you if you will come. Now, this is a picture that we see. This is actually where the prophetic part comes in that has already happened when Jesus says that the city was destroyed. He was prophesying because here's what went on. God came with a message of hope and salvation and He brought it to the Jews first, His people. And they rejected Him. They rejected Him as the Messiah. They rejected Him as the King. And they refused the invitation to come to the wedding. And so the city was destroyed because in 70 A.D., the Romans came along and they actually destroyed the city of Jerusalem, the capital and home place of the Jews, and to the exact mark, it says the city will be burned. The final parts of Jerusalem were actually even destroyed by the fires that raged on for days and days after that. It was fulfilled to a T. But they went into the highways. What does that mean? That means something significant for you and for me. It means they went and they invited all of the non-Jews. They invited the Gentiles. Now the fullness of God's work is happening. He didn't come just for one people, just for one race, just for one ethnicity. He came for the whole world. And he says, okay, I'm going to go into the highways now. I'm going to send you out there and you're going to invite everybody. Everybody gets an invitation. And folks, this is where we got to get this. We can't earn our way into the kingdom. You can't be good enough. You can't do any works that are going to justify you getting there. It says he invited the good and the bad. Every type of person. doesn't matter social status. doesn't matter how popular you are. It doesn't matter how many followers you have on Instagram. It's not rated by that. The invitation is going out to everybody who will hear it. And if they'll receive it, there's a place for them if they come. I'm calling them, I'm inviting them, but will they accept the invitation and actually step into this glorious plan and purpose that I have for their lives? And, G and, and he, they go and they invite everybody, and many come. It says the house is full with guests. And they show up and they see all these wonderful festivities and these blessings that the, that the Father has prepared for all the guests who have come. But something happens. There's this other guy that kind of tries to get in there. And the Father sees this guy coming in. He says, well, wait a minute. Who are you? He says, you don't, you don't belong here. You're not supposed to be here. Why was he not supposed to be there? He says, because... You're not wearing a wedding garment. You're not clothed in a wedding garment. You're, you're, you're wearing something else. And see, in Jewish tradition, when the wedding festivities would go on and they would celebrate for days, wedding garments were given 
by the groom's father, by the, the bridal party, the family were given to everyone who would come and they had to wear wedding garments. They wanted to wear wedding garments so that they could be a part of this celebration. But this is, in the natural, the wedding garment really spoke to what God would fulfill, what Jesus would fulfill in the spiritual. Because when we give our lives to Christ and we are saved and born again, it says that God washes us clean of our sin. It actually says that we, be, we become clothed in a robe of righteousness. Do you remember what I said about Revelation chapter 19 when the bride meets her groom, that she's arrayed with fine white linen. This represents the clothing of righteousness that God puts on the saints. And just like the Father gave the wedding garments to the guests, God Himself clothes, clothes us with a robe of righteousness in a way that we could never prepare the clothing for ourselves. But this guy shows up and he's trying to get in. He says, no, you, you're not wearing the robe. You're not wearing the wedding garment. But he's trying to get in on his own clothing that he's put on. And this speaks powerfully to me. That there are even people, folks, listen, I, this, I love being here on Sundays. I mean, there's nowhere I'd rather be on Sundays. But I've got to tell you this. Church will not save you. Yeah. Hear me. Being in a chair on Sunday in any house, any church, will not save your soul. Yeah. And this man is trying to attach himself to the wedding party. He's trying to get in, but he's trying to get in on his own merit and on his own clothing, and he can never make a way for himself. And the father says, no, you can't get in. You're not clothed with the robe. And even the Pharisees, they tried to follow the letters of the law so closely, to follow the rules that they could actually find their way, that they could produce a righteousness of their own by their own works. And Jesus came along and blew that whole thing out of the water and said, no, it can never be done. It can never be done. And you can never put on the clothing that you need to put on. Only through me, I'm going to put a robe on you. I'm going to clothe you. And I'm going to put on a robe of righteousness that you will wear. And when you do, you will be a part of the wedding festivities and a part of my family. But this guy's trying to get himself in. He's trying to attach himself to this by the merit of his own doing. And listen, we have to come to the place, every one of us, and many of us have, but we all must come to the place where we recognize our own depravity our, as, a, as a human born into this world in sin, that there's absolutely nothing that we can do to save ourselves. And that we have no ability to do works, to do things, to do deeds, enough of them, or do them well enough, or execute them well enough, where it's going to be able to punch our ticket so that we can get to the place we want to be after this life. It's absolutely just a free gift of grace. It's something that Jesus came and made a way for so that all who would call upon His name would be saved. And I think... This is possibly a strong statement, but I do believe that even in churches all over our land, there are people who haven't figured this out. 
that there are people sitting in chairs on Sundays in churches across our land that think because they're going through the motion and they're doing the deed that their ticket to heaven is coming. But they've never surrendered and given their heart to Jesus. And they're not wearing a robe of righteousness. It's the best place in the world to be. To be broken and to realize our absolute utter dependency upon Jesus for everything that we need. Only in that place will we truly be able to trust, cast all of our worries upon Him because we have absolutely no confidence in ourselves to produce any clothing that can get us into anything that God is calling us into. He's calling us. He's offering an invitation. And He's saying, listen, it's an invitation. Will you accept? I'm offering this. Have you, have you given your life to Christ? Have you surrendered to Him in a way where He truly has come in and become Lord of your life? Not a convenient church relationship. Not something that makes you feel good on Sunday when you leave and wears off on Monday. That is not what I'm talking about. A convenient thing where we feel like, okay, I'm checking that box. I'm talking about total surrender where God radically changes your life, flips everything upside down, and you realize, oh my gosh, I'm a sinner and I'm never going to get to heaven unless Jesus saves my soul. And then He comes in, transforms you, and then begins to lead you down this glorious path of, of calling, of purpose, of destiny that He's created you for. That He alone can empower you to fulfill. And so next week, where I want to go with the second part of this, is you know when we talk about calling and invitation, we can speak of it on a general level, and we can also speak of it on a very detailed level. Meaning, what am I called to do right now in my life? Am I called to move to this city? Am I called to start this business? Am I called to be in this relationship? And if we can settle the general, the big picture that God's called you into His family, it's only by establishing that that we can ever begin to know the details of all the things that God is calling and leading us in through different seasons of our lives to walk out. Are you with me on that? And many of us ask those questions all the time. What am, what's God leading me to do? What's He calling me to do? And I promise you that there are answers for that. That there is direction for that. God is very concerned with directing our path in a way where we walk out everything it is that He's called us to do. But it's before you can know what am I called to do, you have to first know, yes, I'm called. Does that make sense? I have to know first, yes, I am called. And that settles things in my soul. I've accepted that invitation. I've now become a part of God's family. I am filled with purpose. And now, what it is that He's calling me or leading me to do at any given point in my life, I'm going to find only in relationship with Him. And I only have a relationship with Him if I've showed up to the party. And I can only show up to the party if I'm clothed in the wedding garment. And I'm only clothed in the wedding garment if the Father and the Son Himself have put that garment on me by knowing that I could never produce a garment myself 
that would get me in. Does that make sense? Amen. Amen. Father, we just thank you today. Lord, in Jesus' name, I want to invite our team to come back up here, worship team. And while they do, I just want to ask you if you're out there today. Man, have you settled this in your heart? Have you settled this, that God has extended an invitation to you and that He is calling you? Come, be a part of something glorious, something extravagant. Let me put a robe on you. Let me usher you in and let me help you be a part of the greatest festivity that you could ever know. You see what's going on back there at home? What's going on back there in the fields? What's going on back there in the streets? None of that compares. None of that compares to the stage that God has set for us and that He's calling us in to be a part of every day in our lives. Being a child of God, filled with purpose and destiny, knowing we are called makes us, causes us to live without doubt, without uncertainty. So many people today live in a perplexed state, doubting their salvation, doubting their acceptance from God, thinking they aren't worthy. All these different things that I believe the enemy is behind and responsible for. Man, he wants to drive us out of that place of assurance of knowing that we are called. If he can disrupt that, then he can disrupt the very place of peace in our soul that God himself has said we are meant to live with. Let's settle this thing today once and for all. Am I called? Am I chosen? Am I a part of God's family? And as we continue in the next week, talk about more of what that implies and what that means for me here in this earth. If every head could just be bowed and every eye closed, just ask you if you're here today, you say, look, pastor, man, I don't know. I don't know that I can say I'll be with Jesus in heaven if I left this earth right now. I live with doubt. I live with uncertainty. Uh, maybe I'm, I'm kind of trying to earn some things, trying to do good enough. I don't know. If that's you, I want to lead you in a prayer today to open your heart, turn everything over to God. Turn everything over to Him and let the Holy Spirit come in, invade your life, change everything about you and help to lead you into the person that He's created you to be. It's a free gift of grace and Jesus is extending the invitation to all right now. Many are called. Few are chosen. Not all will hear and receive. But I pray today, if you're hearing that invitation, that you accept. If that's you, on the count of three, I'd just like to lead you in a prayer. I want you to raise your hand so I can see who you are while the heads in this place are bowed and the eyes are closed. And maybe you, you're in a place where you've walked away from God. You've went down a different path. You've kind of taken a different direction. You were walking with Him, but you somehow, you got away. You got into a different path of your own. And it's... I mean, it's not leading you anywhere. It's, you know it. It's coming up empty at every turn. And if you're honest, you know the only answer is to get back to walking with Jesus. If either one of those are you, I'm telling you right now, 
God will change your life forever today if you allow him to come in. He won't force it, but if you open your heart and let him come in, he will change everything today. If that's you, on the count of three, would you raise your hand, and I'll lead you in a prayer. Father, speak to them now. Draw those hearts right now, Lord. One, two, three. If that's you, yes, sir, I see your hand. Yes, ma'am, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Just for a second, four. Is there anybody else? If you put your hand up, you can put it down. I saw you. Is there anybody else? Say, Pastor, man, it's time. It's my time today. I'm ready. I want to turn my heart over to Jesus. I'm done with this life, this world, this doing this thing on my own, this uncertainty of where I'm going to be after this life. I'm done with that. I need Jesus, and I need him now. If that's you, one more time, would you raise your hand today? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am, I see your hand. God bless you all. But join me in this prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, I just give my heart to you today. Lord, I accept your invitation. I hear the call, but I'm stepping into it, Lord. I'm receiving it, and I want to be a part of everything that you have for me. I believe it's only by the blood of Jesus that I'm clean of my sin and only God alone can put on the robe of righteousness that He's calling me to wear and be clothed in. Come in, Holy Spirit. Invade my life. God, help me to become the person that You've created me to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Listen, I just want to tell you, if you raise your hand, God bless you. I am so proud of you. According to the written Word of God, I can announce to you If you meant business with God, you said that prayer and you meant that in your heart, you are saved. You are born again. You are a child of God. The matter of eternity is settled. And I pray right now that God would reveal that to you, that He would give you a revelation of assurance and of certainty that you are His and that you will spend eternity with Him after this life. And I pray that He continue to speak to you about the calling and the purpose that He has for you to fulfill and accomplish here on this earth. There's work to do for each and every one of us so that we can accomplish what God has put us on this earth to accomplish for Him.